First of all, I want to thank Rod and Tim for opening their pulpit to me this evening. It's the first time I've sat in this chair and I feel like it's a little bit high, just a little bit, um, because I'm shorter than they are. We'll go from here. I I do um, feel it an honor to be able to preach any time because we know that it is God who, who anoints us, who puts words in our mouth. But I do count it an esteemed privilege to be allowed to minister here at Redeemer and for this Ash Wednesday service. My wife, Beth, and, uh, and I have uh, joined your fellowship uh, this winter and we feel very good about being a part of this congregation and the ministry that you provide here. And we look forward to being a part of your ministry in the future, whatever that may, may entail. We're actually um, following our daughter, Kristen Steam, here to the DeWitt area. Kristen and her husband, Eric, and their six-month-old son, just turned six-month, Lincoln, uh, live in East Lansing, and Kristen is on the faculty here in the DeWitt Junior High School. She teaches seventh grade science. So like any grandparent, we're following our children now as they followed us forever. And of course, I could talk about them uh, for a long time, but we have other things to do this evening. I would like to begin this evening by reading from the book of John, chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. And to give us just a little bit of a background, Jesus is about to be arrested before this night is over, according to the Gospel of John. Jesus met with his disciples in an upper room in Jerusalem to celebrate the Jewish Passover early. And during the evening... Jesus really poured out his heart to his disciples, and it takes several chapters in the book of John. And chapter 15 is a part of of what Jesus had to say. So I'd like to read the scripture this, this evening, John 15, verses 9 through 17. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you, Jesus said. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. 
You, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will, that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we... We come this evening and we ask that you would open our hearts to hear your Holy Spirit and to bring us close to you in faith, in hope, and in love. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. God, our Creator, has reached out to us many times throughout human history. And throughout the witness of the Old Testament, God's faithful men and women proclaimed that that God came to them to bring guidance and the law, to, to bring promises and a covenant, judgment to hold us accountable, mercy through grace and forgiveness, miracle to prove his power, and faithful men and women to lead the spiritual direction of Israel, specifically in the Old Testament. He sent prophets and judges and he blessed kings as an expression of his love and his judgment and of his lordship and commitment to them. God came to Israel in special ways and God made a special point to to make his his will really known to them. And, And then God sent Jesus. As God's only begotten son incarnate, Jesus was sent to the earth for several reasons. But his greatest mission was to reveal God's heart, to culminate God's grand salvation plan, and to make the way through his own blood for our salvation. The New Testament proclaims that that Jesus was sent to the world to live out righteousness, truth, justice, and to demonstrate God's undying and constant love for for the entire world. In other words, Jesus came to this earth to accomplish many, many things. He he had a mission to fulfill. He came so that we could hear God's love expressed in both words of comfort and words of truth. He came so that we could see God's love in action through his miracles and ministry, thereby verifying that his words were genuine and true. He came to usher in the kingdom of God on earth, to to invade the domain of darkness as the light of the world. He came so that we could feel God's love in our own lives and heart through the power of the Holy Spirit as he focused his words, his hands, and his heart toward the entire world. He came to live a sinless life, to die in our place as the perfect sacrifice and to be raised from the dead by the Father, thereby conquering death itself. He came so that that we could know and have the confidence that, that what Jesus said and what we believe, we can share with confidence and stake our eternal life on his promises. Isn't salvation wonderful? It's truly amazing when you you begin to, to add all of these things up. And my friends, we're really just getting started. 
This evening, I want us to reflect a moment on Jesus' words recorded in John 15, these verses from 9 to 17, and in doing so, understand some things about the ultimate expression of love. John 15 has the subtitle in the, in the New International Version called The Vine and the Branches. And, and in the beginning of our passage, Jesus speaks to us in, in a word picture. Jesus, first of all, shares with us that in order to have and to maintain a relationship with God, we must be connected to God, joined together like a branch to the vine, joined in every way, dependent for nourishment and support, dependent for all things. Jesus helps us to see that by being intimately connected to God, God helps us to move from independent rebellion and self-interest to God's forgiveness, God's lordship, God's will as truth, and God's protection. The vine and the branches picture really show us an, an intimacy with God that is full and complete. The vine and the branches are a perfect example, a perfect object lesson for, a, for us to understand the kind of relationship that God wants with us. And then Jesus moves from an object lesson to plain interpretation and explanation. In our text today, Jesus is proclaiming that his love for us, his, his disciples, is as complete and full as his own relationship with his heavenly Father. And then he gives us this command. Now remain in my love. Love and command go together. Love and commitment go together. Now look at the next sentence. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. Notice that, that love is not a feeling, like the world <laughs> propagates all the time. It, love is a commitment. Love is based on covenant, not on emotion. The Touchpoint Bible in, by Tyndale House Publishing Company contains a topical index section called the Help Finder, uh, and it has an entire section on love. And before the Help Finder begins its biblical journey of scripture after scripture about love, the publishers wrote this. A healthy definition of love is crucial to understanding the central message of the Bible. According to the Bible, love is not confined to sexuality, nor is it primarily a feeling at all. The Bible teaches that love is a commitment. As a commitment, love is not dependent on good feelings, but rather on a consistent and courageous decision to extend oneself for the well-being of another. That commitment then produces good feelings not the other way around. Jesus began the perfect demonstration of God's unconditional love for us by laying down his life 
for our benefit. Jesus, therefore, shows us his complete and pure love. And then the next statement of Jesus brings in the feelings. <laughs> but I, then I, I want you to see how quickly Jesus returns to the point of command. Jesus says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. In other words, love each other under the same covenant. Love each other with the same commitment. Love each other as I have loved you, Jesus said. And then he shows us something about love that we don't, we really don't want to see and, and we're not really ready to hear. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. And this is a lesson that we struggle with. Because the ultimate expression of love is to die. And that's hard for us to comprehend. But, but when we really stop to think about it, 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 we realize that there are many ways to die, and it is not only God that demands this from us. All human relationships, if they are to grow, demand of us to die to self. When we share anything, our thoughts or secrets or, or our possessions, Sharing demands that we die to self. Warren Wiersbe, former pastor of Moody Church in Chicago, a well-known international Bible teacher, said this, self-preservation is the first law of physical life, but self-sacrifice is the first law of spiritual life. Self-sacrifice is dying to self. If we're to pursue wisdom, for instance, we must in turn die to foolishness. We, we must discern what wisdom is and what folly is and, and then pursue wisdom at the neglect and death of foolish behavior. If we are to strive for some earthly goal, we are called to sacrifice many other things to reach it. Just look at all of the Olympians and what they do to sacrifice in order to be the best in the world. If our goal is to obtain a heavenly reward, then we are called upon to die to worldly dreams and earthly treasure. To move from the world of single living into the covenant of marriage, we soon discover that we must die to independence if the covenant is to, you know, to, is to really grow and to be established. And then when you move into a marriage covenant, you have to switch your pronouns in your mind and on your tongue. We, we have to change from me to us and from mine to our. And what belongs to me is now yours from the, from the car out back and the debts and the bank accounts to the intimacy of our own bodies. See, the ultimate expression of love is to die. 
It is said that Cyrus, the founder of the Persian Empire, once had, had, uh, had captured a, a prince and his family. When they came before him, the monarch asked the prisoner, what will you give me if I release you? And his response was, the half of my wealth. Well, what if I release your children? His response was, everything that I possess. And if I release your wife, your majesty, I will give myself. Cyrus was so moved by his devotion that he freed them all. And as they returned home, the prince said to his wife, wasn't Cyrus a handsome man? And with a look of deep love for her husband, she said to him, I didn't notice. I could only keep my eyes on you, the one who was willing to give himself for me. The ultimate expression of love is to die. And that is why love is passion. That is why love is also hard. Love is a longing to the point that it hurts. It is a sacrifice to the point that it demands every part of us. And maybe now we can realize why God is the judge of our hearts and not just of our words. That love is not a feeling, but the keeping of our promises. The keeping of our promises. People make promises all the time. But it's the keeping of those promises that make them special and powerful. And that is what love is. is not the expression of our intentions, but is the expression of our actions, our priorities, in our faithfulness, in our vigilance, and in God's rebuke, as well as in God's nurture. In John 15, Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Those were his words. Jesus then followed his words with action and died on the cross for all of us. As we read the Gospels and watch Jesus, we begin to understand that his life was lived so that, we, so that we can see the ultimate expression of love in and through him. As we reflect on Jesus' life, we discover that God's love shows us the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the way. The way to what? He is the way to God. He is the way to life on this earth. He is the the way to live, to love, to sacrifice, to give, to holiness, to righteousness, to ultimately to, to victory and eternal life with him. He is the way. He's the way to happiness, to fulfillment, security, contentment. He's the way to peace and joy and truth and purpose and meaning. He is the way. He shows us the way to all these things if we follow his example always. And this is the next and the last point. Jesus' love also calls us to follow. 
If Jesus is the example of love in action, goodness on display, kindness, judgment, peace, contentment, and fulfillment, then, then what good is it if we do not follow his example? Jesus came to earth and did all of these things, and then after the resurrection, turned to his disciples, and I believe looked him right in the eye, and he said, follow me. And today, if we are his disciples, Jesus says this to us as well. Follow me. To the extent that we obey, God works. To the extent that we rebel, God allows us to stumble. His love calls us to follow, and we discover in our own meager attempts at obedience that he is ultimately patient and generous with us. He is kind and gentle and long-suffering. He treats us like, like infants learning to walk. He restores us to try again time after time after time. Following, my friends, is the key and obedience the way. And as we come into this Lenten season, we're spiritually seeking both. Both learning how to follow and to obey in a deeper way. And I give you that challenge for these next 40 days.